0: Yeah, uh, sorry to keep everyone waiting here running uh you know a few minutes behind this morning so um, appreciate your patience um, you know uh we're winding down here um, you know on training camp uh sunday is actually the last uh you know official day at of camp um you know roster uh decisions are in the on the very near horizon uh so we'll be ready to you know work through that um you know in the next uh, you know, day hours uh so that's that's a process still obviously trying to get the team ready and continue to make progress uh towards uh being ready for the not only the miami game but the you know entire regular season so um gonna have a few balls in the air here um uh, but i think the players have continued to you know push through it and um and you know we're we're making progress we just gotta we has got to keep stacking these days together um, you know last night was a, a you know good night for the team good night for the organization for the uh, kickoff event and uh, that always gives us the feeling that things are getting closer and you know congratulations uh, to David for his um, you know great um, unselfish off the field uh, work and volunteerism um, for the organization he's been a tremendous addition to our team uh, for the last six years so um, it's great to have him back uh, after the time they missed last year so um, just trying to like I said just trying to you know finish up some uh, final training camp um, things that are on our list and with the roster and then uh, quickly transition into um, Miami some of which we've already started on but we'll be in full you know, full game preparation mode. Um, you know, once we turn the corner this weekend, so uh, looking forward to getting started, and um, you know, just try to keep having good days here.
1: We'll start with Ben Volen, followed by Doug Kine.
2: Morning, Bill. Hi, hey, Ben. Uh, word came out yesterday that uh, Cam Newton was named the starter. Just, um, what have you seen from him throughout camp, and what's yeah, it said about I- him that?
0: yeah i'm not we're we're not naming any uh we're not naming any starters in any positions so um you know any any conversations that i have with the team will stay between me and the team but we're not we're not naming any any roster starters or positions or who's on the team or anything else like that so well sorry i have to bypass that one
2: okay uh let me ask you a quick follow up uh, about cam uh obviously over the years he's a he's a big physical player uh Pretty rare size for a quarterback. Yes. Last couple seasons, uh he's had some injuries. Just what's your confidence level of his physicality and him being able to withstand the rigors of a 16-game schedule?
0: Yeah, well, he's he's yeah. certainly been a, you know, a durable player. Um you know, the injury last year was, uh, you know, one of those kind of foot ankle injuries that um we've seen take down players, you know, it, it's a tough injury and um, but so far I'd say, you know, he's been out there um, with the exception of one day where he was excused for personal reasons. He's been out there every day, he's been able to participate in everything. So, you know, he's healthy, it looks like he's ready to go. Um, but it's you know, it's a long season. Anything could happen to anybody. We all know that. So we'll see how it goes. Our next question, Doug Kai,
1: followed by Mark Daniels.
2: Good morning, Bill. Uh, just what went into, into the decision to name Cam Newton as an offensive captain, and how have you seen teammates respond to him?
0: Yeah, it wasn't a decision. Um, the captains are voted on by um, the team, and the players that they elected are the players that they obviously want to want to represent them uh, in various capacities that come with those positions. So, um, you know. I think we have a lot of good leaders on our team um, some of them have been selected captains. I don't think that necessarily takes away from the leadership that um, many other players bring and we get leadership from uh, certainly other players and and other areas of our team that you know don't show up in the with the captain designation um, but we've had a long you know long history and, and uh, a great Roster of of captains here, and and um, I think that the players that were selected this year uh, have all displayed um, very impressive leadership qualities, and are obviously well respected by their teammates um, on both sides of the ball. And I think they're all good selections. But uh, you know that the leadership certainly extends past those positions, past the captain position, and. It always has and and I'm sure it always will here, so um I appreciate the leadership we get from everyone, and I'm looking forward to working with uh, this year's group, which you know has a couple new faces in it um, and some other captains that have been here for uh, an extended period of time so it's a good group uh, we've already um, you know had some opportunities to to get together, so I look forward to um, the the relationship with those guys in that um Capacity.
1: Our next question, Mark Daniels, followed by Tara Sullivan.
0: Hey, Bill. Um, yesterday, the, the team released Mohammed's news. What went into the decision to part ways with the veteran? Yeah, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that just didn't work out. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Mo, um, and, but ultimately, it just, you know, things just didn't work out. Uh, I think he tried very hard. Uh, I think we tried hard. Um, I don't think it was any, anybody's fault or anything like that. It was just one of those situations that, uh, just didn't, didn't work out as well as I think everyone hoped it would have when, um, when the transaction was made. So, um, as always, we'll, we'll try to make the decisions that we feel are best for the football team. Um, whether that's bringing a person in or, or releasing a player, uh, it's, you know, obviously it can go both ways. And so, um, at this point in time, we felt like that's best for the team. You know, last year, we felt differently. Um, we're in a, little, in a little different situation this year. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh,
1: Tara Sullivan followed by Eden Kern.
2: Thank you. Um, Bill, as you, as you do turn this, the corner kind of toward the regular season, would you would you be able to pause even for a minute to sort of think about the perspective? I know every season is different for you, but just given all the circumstances – Surrounding this one, the virus protocols, new quarterback, things like that. Does it feel even more different than seasons in the past?
0: Uh, well, I, I think you said it. Every season's different, and uh, what we're focused on right now is is trying to, you know, put ourselves in the best position for the 2020 season. So, you know, what happened in 2003 or nine or 14 or 15 or whatever, uh, you know, I don't really. I mean, there are some lessons learned through the years, of course, but really I don't think those have any bearing on, on what happens this year. We have a different group of players. Uh, we have different challenges, and we have to identify and recognize the best way to maximize our opportunities as a football team in 2020, whether that's on the field, off the field, offense, defense, special teams, uh, coaches, players, practice squad, um you know and the rules change every year a little bit in one way or another in some uh in some aspect of whether it's personnel rules or playing rules or whatever it might be so that's just all part of the game um we control the things that we can control and work on the areas that we need to work on to improve and to be competitive and to make a difference and so that's what we'll continue to do so yeah, i don't you know i'll let you compare one year to another i really i'm just focused on this year and, and and in particular how to make the the best decisions and and do the best thing that i can to help our team over the you know the upcoming days and every day is important uh, we want to take advantage of each one but you know definitely the you know roster decisions and composition of the team and you know other potential player movement throughout the league i mean there's going to be you know over a thousand well over a thousand players that are going to be um have some kind of transaction uh, in the next next, you know, couple days, and so there'll be some opportunities there, and you know we'll try to evaluate those and and do what do what's best for the team.
1: Our next question, Aiden Kern, followed by Mike Reese.
2: Good morning, Bill. Um, I'm curious with practice squads expanding to 16 players, uh, how that affects your team building strategy and. When it comes to either adding or or moving players in the practice squad, do you give preference to add the most talent to the practice squad, or do you do you prefer to add players with more familiarity that might already be on the team currently um, that might not make the fifty three men?
0: Yeah, well, that's a great question on the practice squad, and um, I think it really, uh, Aiden, I think it really, each situation's different, each player's different. Um, uh, I think when you put a player on the practice squad, I mean, first of all, there's a reason why he's on there, um, and that could be a, a number of different things. He could be a developmental player. He could be a player that, uh, as you said, knows your system and, and maybe is more game-ready than somebody else. Uh, it may be a player that, uh, because of the depth on your 53-man roster, uh, that you really need that player to practice, that you need that that practice squad player to – Participate in practice so that you can maintain the quality of practice that you want the best you can so that uh, You can prepare your team for all the things that you need to prepare them for so um, You know, it's as you know those those some of those positions uh, can fluctuate during the course of the year uh, depending on how the team needs um, uh, You know how how those um, change and and possibly how the players change. For example, if a developmental player starts to improve and develop, then his his situation might change a little bit. Or if you have a developmental player that maybe isn't developing and you feel like you've given enough time and you don't see the progress that maybe you hope for, then um, you know sometimes then you could move on to somebody else and, and work with another developmental player. So, again, the bottom line is there's a, a reason and a purpose for each player to be on that uh on the practice squad but they're not all the same and it would depend on uh, a number of factors that are specific to the individual player but also uh, the needs of the team and the depth of the team and you know your practice needs so uh, i'd say some kind of combination of all those um, and,
2: and a quick follow if you don't mind with with the fickle nature of, of this upcoming season with the potential for, for any player to go on the COVID list at any moment do, do you see the practice squad te- uh, trending more towards a, a developmental style player more towards a game ready veteran style player
0: yeah again I think there's a place for both um it would depend on you know again a lot of the practice squad depends on you know what you have on your 53 man roster and so uh you can't uh, really carry the depth that you want on your 53-man roster at all positions. But you probably are, will probably be fairly satisfied with it at some positions. So uh, if you're satisfied with your depth at a certain position and your numbers are good and you feel like the quality is, is pretty good there, then I don't know how much you really need a practice squad player at that spot uh, because you'll want to give those reps in practice and those opportunities to the depth that you have on your roster. Um, whereas uh, there could be another position on your roster where you, you don't have a lot of depth um, and if you have a developmental player at that position and a player with some experience that uh, maybe for whatever reason you don't feel is a roster player at this moment but if something were to happen because of your lack of depth he could quickly become a roster player uh, then you, know, you might carry two or three players at that position and none at another um, so it, it a lot of the practice squad is dependent on what, what you have above that on your fifty three man roster. Um I think this year is is a little bit different because we'll have to take into consideration the shorter uh injured reserve rules and also the unlimited um DFRs. So, you know, that that changes things a little bit too uh and is can kind of be combined with the practice squad to um you know, help the teams depth. So it's it's really a a combination of all those. And again, because it's so fluid, I'm sure that that will change over the course of the year. So as as your needs change on the team, that that will affect. I think it will probably affect your practice squad decisions as well now. You know, the practice squad pool is going to be a little watered down when you add those extra players uh, that the teams are able to have. It'll be interesting to see how many Practice squad players this year. Um, so in the past, there have been a certain group of players that have been excluded from practice squad uh, because they're eligible. They haven't been eligible this year. The eligibility rules have changed, uh, and it'll be interesting to see whether that, you know, brings more of those type of players in there, the ones who would have been ineligible in other years, or whether it would be more of a continuation of let's call it practice squad eligible guys younger players with less experience uh and so forth so um you know i don't know i'm sure again though i'm sure there'll be both there'll be some variance from team to team and position to position and it'll base, be based on the 53 needs above it but um i think it'll be interesting to see how how all that plays out so again when we when we put a player on the practice squad it's for a reason it's with a purpose um and that could be for a variety of things. But you know, he would fill some type of um, need or potential need. That that's what his role would be.
1: Great. Thanks, Bill.
0: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Uh, I'll apologize to those we don't get to. But uh, we're going to try to squeeze in one, maybe two final questions. Mike Reese, uh, followed by Bob Sosa. Go ahead, Mike. Thanks. Uh, Bill, what is your view of the competition at Kicker as we get close to crunch time here and setting the initial roster?
0: Yeah, you know, I think that, that um you know is is a pretty close gap. Uh and you know, it's it's a similar decision. I think that every team that I've ever been on um has has come up where you have a, a veteran player um with experience and and you know, a very accomplished career, um with a, a younger player with uh, potentially a long career ahead of him that has less experience and in, in may at this particular point in time, you know, you just have to see where, you know, where you feel like the competition is, but then also look at it and say, okay, well where are things gonna be halfway through the season, where are things going to be a year from now, um, or maybe two years from now. Uh and so that then that changes sometimes the evaluation. Now those are projections and there's no certainty there, but um You know when you look at players that we've had on a team um you know james white would be a good example of a player that didn't play his rookie year i think he was only active for a game or two um you know obviously brady never played Uh, so if, if you evaluate some players where they are at one point in time and then evaluate them a year later sometimes you can have a drastic change and and you know, in those two cases, I'm glad we didn't, you know, make the decision based on where they were uh, at the end of their rookie training camp uh, to not have them on our on our team on a longer term view. So now not everybody falls into that category, but I'm saying like there's two good examples. You know, Shane Vereen would be another one, you know, but guys that, that didn't have production uh, at one point in time, but then in a relatively short period of time, that changed maybe unexpectedly, maybe unexpectedly. Um, so we'll just have to, you know, those are the kind of decisions that you make when you have, you know, a, a very experienced player versus a, a rookie. Um, I think, obviously, when the rookie uh, at a particular position, and I'm not saying this is the case with a kicker. I'm saying generically, if if you have a rookie who's already moved ahead of Uh, a player with a lot of experience and you have every reason to think that the rookie will continue to improve then that's you know a pretty straightforward decision that's pretty easy but it's the other way around where those two uh, lines are going to cross at some point between you know the experienced guy you know coming close to the end of his career and the inexperienced guy you know ascending to a higher level like when and how does that happen and you know position's a factor again this is not like you can carry you know seven defensive linemen this is a kicker so you know you, you that decision is a little bit different than it is at at some other spots where you can play more than one guy but it's fundamentally it's it's still that i, I can remember those conversations uh going back to 1975 when i was with the colts and coach Marchabroda. it was the same thing then it was you know this guy with experience Versus this guy with experience, and and I did not really understand it at that point. Um, but you know, at that point in time, the experienced guy was in those conversations was always better. Uh, but then in the long run, that you know that wasn't always the case, as I cited with a couple of our examples. So it's a really tough question, Mike, and it's really challenging for I think every coach, every team. Um, it's not like college where you're gonna have all the players all the time here you have to make choices you can't keep them all um, and and you know you've got to you've got to make a decision based on you know and either way you could be you could be right you, when you make that decision either way you know you could be you could be right or you could be wrong depending on you know how fast or slow those those tangents pass it's a great question Thank though. That that's the hardest part of this time of year is those type of decisions.
1: My apologies to Bob Sosi and those that were with right, me. go
0: ahead. Time. We can take Bob, uh, Stacy. I apologize great. for being late. So, uh, I, I owe you one here. Okay, Bob, you get the final question. All right, Stacy. Especially it. since Bob was at, Navy you, at Navy, you know we'll give we'll give a little bit of extra preferential treatment for that.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that, and, and it's great to see another midshipman. Uh, in-house with the Pats, Uh, you know bill this time of year today normally would be the day after the preseason finale right not only would you have tape of all the players around the league from the preseason but maybe after the fourth and final game there would be a sense of who might become available tomorrow on cut down day i'm curious how much not having that complicates the process for your pro staff in in the next 24 to 48 hours in anticipation of who might be out there, and secondly, associated with that.
0: Well, let me let me, let me, me take that let me take, take that one first, Bob, and then we'll come back to the follow up. But that that's a really good question uh, that you just asked, and it, and I would say this year, uh, for a couple of reasons, things are different than they normally are. Uh, I, I I identified the situation exactly the way you described it. Uh, the fourth preseason game would have been last night, and. You know, now we're sitting here making you know decisions and all that, and and who's going to be available? I think the one of the a couple wild cards this year are really unknowns. Are number one, the fact that every player is eligible for the practice squad it is that's a big change because in the past, if you released a player that wasn't practice squad eligible, um, you know you know that that player would be available, and honestly, that player would probably you know, 99% would want to, would want to play on a roster with the practice squad. I think there's uh, an argument, uh, for a player to, you know, do you want to be on a practice squad knowing that you're very close to playing on a team in a situation that you know, and you're comfortable with versus, you know, going to another team where as soon as they find somebody better, they might want to, you know, replace you with somebody else. So Again, it'll be interesting to see how many of the practice squad spots go to those players. So when you say are available, um, I'm not sure that even though it's the same guys that might be available this year from last year, just say hypothetically you took last year's guys that were all available, if all those guys actually would have been available in this set of rules, and especially with the three-week IR uh, situation, Uh, I think the practice squad, if you have an experienced player on the practice squad, it's a lot easier to get them up. You know, you have those couple free activations. You have a three-week IR uh, rule. So I think that might, you know, change a little bit. Um, The other part of that is I think all the teams, the other 31 teams, are probably sitting there just like we are saying, I haven't really seen, you know, as much of this guy as what we normally would uh is a tough decision like without seeing a player play who doesn't have a lot of experience like how confident really are you that um he's better than somebody else that you've seen play now again there's some examples that are clear cut but there's other ones that are gray and there's other ones where the veteran players have i would say probably clearly played better than the rookies but again these guys haven't even played a game yet so it's not a fair evaluation yet that's the ones we have to make and So I legitimately think that, you know, we're in this situation, I imagine a lot of other teams are too, that we don't really know exactly what we're going to do because we have so much less evidence in than we would have from three preseason games. I think a lot of times in preseason, you know, you feel like after three games, all right, I got a pretty good idea where this guy is. There's another preseason game. Now maybe something will really change here based on, the fourth preseason game but i would say more often than not it doesn't change significantly and where you were at the end of three weeks is probably where you are at the end of the fourth game not always but generally speaking that's probably more true than it's not so i think the variables this year lead to more uncertainty there there are a few players that i i'm i feel confident are that we can identify that will be available uh, but i think there are going to be a whole lot more that when the rosters are uh turned in on uh saturday that i don't want to say are surprises but you know there there will be some people there and it will be interesting to see how teams handle this rookies versus you know experienced players you know type of um i don't know dilemma is the right word but you know choice that they're gonna have to make so uh and again that's a great question uh it's there's a lot less shopping of players i would say this year than what uh what there would normally be where teams could anticipate the way it was going to go like you could kind of tell what other teams were going to do you know for most roster spots and and you kind of knew who was available and you know if a team was going to release a player they'd rather trade them and get something for them than release them and and not get anything so i would say it was a little more defined uh now maybe that'll change in the next you know 24 hours it might but I'd say that's where we are for now. So, and I'm sorry. So, follow-up, Bob. Follow up.
2: Well, I'll try to make this one uh, was quick. Make this one quicker. Uh, Elliot Wolf has been with two other organizations. He's evaluated player personnel for the Packers, for the Browns. Does it help toward what you just talked about to have somebody now on your staff that uh, can bring that perspective and knowledge of the veteran players around the league uh, to add to what you already have in house.
0: Uh, sure i think it's always it's always good to to have a different perspective on that um you know the the you know people that have been here for uh you know extended period of time um which some of them are no longer here this year many of them still are but you know guys that have been here for a long time have a very good uh understanding of uh you know what we're looking for how we do certain things what the process is and uh you know maybe players like this we've already talked about before and have either liked or disliked for similar reasons. You know, you don't have that history with people that are new to the organization. It takes a little time to build that up. So, that's that's sort of the the time that we're working through. Uh but as you identified, the plus side of it is, you know, when you come from a different organization, especially, you know, um uh, or two organizations in the last couple of years, so I have a, you know, fairly recent background of other philosophies, other ways of doing things, uh, you know certainly he's been able to um help me uh in terms of you know take a look at this, here's the way we did this uh you know it might be something that we've tried, and we don't want to do it that way, or it might be something that's uh no I hadn't really looked at it that way, you know that's a pretty good idea, so you know it's it's good to generate uh new ideas like that, i think uh you know. Jed Fish has done that uh you know similar thing on offense, has, you know, brought in some uh new ideas and things that we weren't familiar with, at the same time dedicating the majority of their time to understanding, learning what we do do so that you know they know how those those type of things apply. And uh, you know, some of the other new people in the organization, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, Vinny or Joe or you know, other people like that guys like that I mean, you know there's there's some of that from everybody too but um you know it's good to have uh you know a new perspective it's also obviously very good to work with people who have been here for a sustained period of time that have a lot of experience in our organization in our system uh that have an you know intimate knowledge of you know how all the inner workings are and so i think that's a good blend to have um you know both ways
2: well thanks so much appreciate
0: it yep so You're thank welcome. Thank
1: you very much for taking the extra time. We all appreciate it. Um, that was uh, that was a very nice bonus there. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. Yep. You're welcome. Thanks.